Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stab 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Inside the Sequel, the podcast show where we talk about sequel movies that get uh, that don't get enough love or attention, and uh, we talk about them on here so they get the um, attention and acclaim that they rightfully deserve. Um, I'm your host, Chris, here. Um, I'm always here, actually. Um, we weren't here last week. Um, it was just the new year and the holiday season. Um, I don't know where we got the testicular fortitude to post an episode on Christmas, but uh, just for those who maybe don't celebrate it or uh, just need to get their mind off of um, other things, uh, I hope that last episode of uh, Christmas with your godfather really helped you. Uh, we had Lindsay Wilkins from the Schlock and Awe podcast, which is an amazing podcast. I definitely recommend you listen to it. Lindsay is wonderful. Um, can't wait to have her back on again, I think. She likes me enough to maybe be on her podcast uh, soon, <laughs> so look out for that. Um, but we talked about Godfather 3 and uh, the new release of The Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Um, but now it's the new year. It's uh, We're going to have a full-fledged year of Inside the Sequel. It's just, uh, I'm kind of nervous, excited. Um, I hope you all are uh, open arms about that. <laughs> so... Um, we're going to start off this new year by talking about last year because Lord knows, because Lord knows here, um, last year really, really helped us out. Um, we had met so many great people and I uh, had so many great guests and I want to thank all of them for being on, uh, as guests here and, and on Twitter for supporting me and, uh, you know, just, just making me feel welcomed. Um, I definitely feel like we're like kind of like the new kids on the block, but not as successful as the music group. What you listening to? New kids on the block. I don't even like them. I was just late. You're the new kid, right? Um, but uh, uh, I don't know why that's funny for me, but I, I guess it is. Uh, so I thought we'd start safe with 2021. My New Year's resolution at some point is to talk about Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. Um, I just need to find the right person for it. Um, I'm still on the search for that. Oh, you kids are a mess. I told you I wanted you clean for the dog park. I don't know where your father is, but when he hears about this, he's gonna be so mad. Incoming! Let me show you how the big dogs do it. Um, but today we're going to talk about uh, well, there's no guests, it's just me, so if you don't like that, then maybe wait till next week. Um, you can skip this one. Uh, but today it's just me on the mic. It's um off the cuff, straight up, just talk between you and me. Um, and uh, last year was a weird one. A lot of movies were watched, um, and we started this podcast and about. Well, we had an unsuccessful podcast prior to, but we won't talk about that. But then we got this idea here for for sequel films, and uh, I think that really cemented um, kind of my movie watching. And I decided to start the new year with giving you all my 
top five sequels that I watched in 2020. Um, and they're not even going to be like, they weren't, some of them are probably, we did episodes on a few of them. I just watched personally, just haven't gotten around to talking about them. But I just thought maybe if you want to know a little bit, pick my brain. If you don't know, um, I'm crazy when I come to my movie viewings and my opinion sometimes. So uh, I thought maybe it'd be fun to just kind of go through memory lane and talk about some movies. Maybe I didn't get the chance to um, on this podcast. Um, if you want to see what I look like because I sound funny on the mic, then you should definitely check out also our YouTube channel, which is Hurtastic Reviews. Um, where That's where we do top fives. We talk about movies. I give Blu-ray tip reviews and such and so on. Um, so if you, uh, just, if you want to do that, you can also check that out too, but let's just, um, let's just get into it, you know? So, uh, we had actually, I actually picked out six. Um, I, I, I couldn't just stick to five. I had, I always have to do an honorable mention because I, I, I movies are like babies for me. Like I, I want to give each of them their respect and their attention. So top fives I love to do cause it's not so long as the top 10 and I kind of forget by the time I get to five, so we just kind of cut in half there. But we'll have one honorable mention. Uh, that one uh, is actually Pet Cemetery Two from 1992. Um, not the first, the only sequel we're gonna talk about from that year on this um, episode. But yeah, so we did an episode of that. Um, we had Daniel Fra Daniel Upler from Cobwebs hopped on this podcast, and um, Daniel. Uh, if you don't know, is um, my longtime secret crush, and uh, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but um, so I think it's safe to say that on here. Uh, but uh, he he hopped on here, and we talked about Pet Cemetery in the first and the second. But we the the second one came by surprise for me. I I, I can't believe um, how amazing Pet Cemetery Two was, and uh, I absolutely love it to death. I own the Blu-ray now, and uh, uh, it'll be a movie I think I'll always champion now, uh, which. I, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know that's what we try to do here. We, we, you know, we try to bring to light some of these sequels that get forgotten or, you know, maybe are a little bit better than people give them credit for. Um, but yeah, Pet Cemetery 2 was, one, it was just a fun podcast episode. Uh, whenever Daniel and I, I feel like, are on the mics together, um, I just learn a lot and then I feel like I can make him laugh. So I kind of get some, some, um, some points there. But, uh, yeah, I just gotta love Pet Cemetery too. Edward Furlong on there. Um, Mary Lambert um, directs that one again, just like in the first one. And uh, that just misses the cut because there was just a couple more movies I wanted to talk about that I watched that I really liked. Um, but in really no particular order, I'll just read it based on how I uh, typed it on my uh, my notes here. But uh, the first one, number five, which is uh, like I said, it's not the only one from this year. It's another 1992 release. Uh, and that was Police Story 3 from 1992. In the crime capital of the world, where an army of criminals has taken over, there's never a cop around when you need one. But when this cop's around... Is all you need. Uh, that was directed by Stanley Tong, um, and uh, that's a Jackie Chan film. It's the third of his police story movies. It's actually called Police Story Three: Super Cop. Uh, I watched this 
boy, I was, I'm going to say the beginning of the summer, maybe. Uh, but it stars Jackie Chan again as the hero of Kevin. And uh, Michelle Yan is on this one. Uh, if you don't remember her, she was on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as well. Um, I absolutely loved this movie. The Police Story um, trilogy. Uh, there's so many more. There's Police Story. There's the Crime Story franchise. There's just these Hong Kong martial arts movies uh, with uh, Jackie Chan are just terrific. Um, the first one is untouchable. Like, good God. Like, the first police story is phenomenal. And then the second one is a very solid um, follow-up to it. But personally, for me, I would say Super Cop is a little bit better than 2. But 2 feels of the same world as... I mean, they're all the same world, but 2 feels just like directly right after the first. Super Cop 3 feels a, a little different, a little bit more of a budget on that. And I think that's what gives it um, its strength. And it's pretty funny as well. Um, uh, Jackie Chan, he's kind of doing like these Charlie Chaplin comedy bits with his martial arts skills. And I I mean, I I would never have thought that kind of comedy would work with these movies, but boy, does it. And of course, like I said, like the action set pieces are unmatched. They're just phenomenal. Um, Also, the most important thing about this one was it wasn't directed by Jackie. It, um, It was the first two were directed by Jackie Chan, um, which makes it even more that impressive. Uh, but in Super Cop 3, um, it's he's a little bit more of a, of a badass. He's kind of funny because he has to go and hijack like this crime um, henchman and join his gang and He's joined the super cop uh, group, which is kind of funny. Like it's like a it's a it's a branch of the police, and um, yeah, just a little bit more money in this one. You get some really cool action set pieces, uh, and like I said, I think Michelle Yan really steals the show in this movie um, because in as the female characters in these police story movies are, it's it's mostly just been May, which is Jackie's uh, girlfriend played by Maggie Cheung. Um, she's kind of like always getting beat up or kidnapped or something. She's like the Princess Peach of these movies. Uh, but yes, I, I don't know. I just like Michelle. She's um, his his partner in this movie because he, he can't just do it by, by himself. Uh, he has a part where he, he fights like it's near the end where he fights on top of a train and there's like a helicopter and they both just go at it and it's phenomenal. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's just really great because Jackie Chan, Kevin, has to um, has to like hide his his identity and act as one of these uh, henchmen, and it kind of it kind of works. I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> like he has to, because he's he's technically like uh, undercover, so like the police think he's a gangster, and like the gangsters um, don't think he's a police officer too. So you ha- he has to tiptoe tiptoe through both of these um, situations. It's kind of funny. So yeah, Police Story 3, I definitely recommend um, you all check out. The next movie I definitely want to talk about next is maybe a little controversial, and I was definitely late to the party on it. I'm glad I got a chance to finally watch it, and that was the 2019 release of Three From Hell. The search for the fugitives known as the Devil's Rejects resulted in a violent clash with police. Chances for survival are less than a million to one. There's no justice in this world. I am justice. They're trying to blame us, but we didn't do it. Free the three. 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 <laughs> three from Hell was an anticipated movie of mine, and I missed it in theaters. And when I heard it was a mixed-reviewed movie, I was kind of... 
not as excited, I guess, to watch it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I still was thinking it's a new Rob Zombie movie. So I have to see that. And Bill Mosley was in it too. So um, I finally got around to watching um, Three from Hell. And when you watch it back to back, probably with um, with uh, The Devil's Rejects, it's definitely um, a fall from grace. However, that being said, any of the forgiving Rob Zombie apologist that I am, I still think it's a pretty great movie. Um, it's not, I, I don't know, I would say it's just below A House of a Thousand Corpse. I think House of a Thousand Corpse is just so much more raw, where I think Three from Hell does just enough serviceable um, homages from Devil's Rejects. Like, it's of the same vein of that one, for sure, than House of a Thousand Corpse. And um, it has enough refreshing new things in it to uh, make it entertaining and, and exciting at times. Um I don't know. It's just Bill Mosley for me as Otis. I mean, that character might be one of the best film characters in the last 20 years, in my opinion. Uh, I just, I absolutely love Bill Mosley as Otis. He just, it's just, it's just a, it's just a character on screen. You never want to stop looking at and listening to and seeing what he does. Um, This one, I will say um, Sid Haig is definitely missed. And I understand why Sid Haig isn't in this film as much uh, because he did unfortunately pass away. And uh, that that, that absence really hurt, but you do get a small part with him in the beginning. It does feel like such a different movie from the beginning to the end as well. Like there's that so, like as soon as uh, the character of Richard Brake gets introduced, which he does a great job. I'm not gonna lie. Um, this is the first film I've seen Richard in where he plays the cousin of uh, of Otis and Baby the, of the Firefly uh, Clan, and uh, he works he works out pretty well. I mean, he's no Sid Haig, uh, but he plays. Um, uh, it's a, like, is it Winslow, I believe is his name. And he does like this howling all the time. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a role I absolutely loved, but I mean, it's a great add on to the, the trio and, uh, they go to Mexico, which is kind of funny. And like the, the gangster that they fight off in the end is a very entertaining part. Um, I feel like this is the most vulnerable the fireflies get though, too, which is something you, you didn't think you'd see. So I really applaud uh, Rob Zombie for that. But again, it just feels like such a different movie halfway through because the first part is um, trying to get baby out of prison. And I don't know, it just just feels like, you know, like, okay, this is the Rob Zombie we know. And then about after they escape, then it feels like a completely different movie. Um, it feels like a different, it feels like a road film for, for Rob, honestly. And that, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that at all, at least from the trailers. And it's a little long at about, yeah, just under two hours. Um, which I'm not complaining too long about, but it, it was a little different, um, of a, of a take for me. But I think for Rob to make this movie when he did, I think kind of cements this trilogy for him. I think it's now that it's a trilogy instead of a double pack, I think more people will be inclined to watch this trilogy all the way through. It's just, it, it, again, sometimes the, the number, here's the thing with, with the sequels. When you get to that third film, if it make or break, it, it, it's not a make or break situation. I think sequels have that difficult task, but once you get to the third movie of a trilogy, man, you're just happy you got a third movie. So Honestly, at that point, we're just respecting that we got another film. That's how I always always looked at the third installment of films. Now, if they're great, I mean, Mazel Tov, like, that's amazing. Like, that's congrats. Like, that's a Scream 3 tier. That's, like, Return of the King, or, you know, Return of the Jedi. Like, you're, you're there. And then sometimes you get, like, a RoboCop 3, you know? Like, RoboCop 3 by no means is good. Um, 
or it doesn't have anything that you loved from the first two, but um, it's still a RoboCop movie, and that 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 means something. So um, Three from Hell is kind of in that middle ground there. Like it's it's a Firefly trilogy film. It, it's a Rob Zombie movie, so um, can't complain there. <laughs> so this year, I, like I said, I, I didn't think I watched as many, and I didn't want to include too many. I talked about on the show because that's for you all to uh, figure out if I actually like that movie or not that I talk about on my podcast. So uh, I'm not trying to talk about too many other ones, but I will talk about one here because my number three is speaking of RoboCop two from 1990. Um, I, I was really lucky to get uh, Matt Bledsoe from the film feast podcast. Um, really great guy. I hope to have him on again. Um, he's doing really great stuff. It sounds like he's really like he he's working on a lot of stuff right now, which is exciting because he, you just his episodes on his podcast are just they can go anywhere, which is great. He can talk one week he can talk about something like a uh, a RoboCop, but then he can talk about like uh, a fantasy movie, which is insane. So it's like I love that variety, and you just never know what he's gonna post. And um, he re- he I don't think he's actually missed yet. So. Um, good job, Matt. And thank you for blessing us with your presence. Uh, when we talked about the RoboCop two film, RoboCop two, um, was a movie I wasn't sure about because I've heard some mixed things, but when I watched it, boy, was I hooked. I watched the first RoboCop for the first time this year. And then I watched RoboCop two and three, I think later that same day. And, uh, man, I was pleasantly surprised with RoboCop 2. I really did not expect it to really get me like it did. Directed by the same guy who did Empire Strikes Back. Um, I would put... it's No, RoboCop 2 is not in the same tier of, of Empire Strikes Back. But, honestly, he does do a really good job of kind of steadying the ship while also, like, making things different. Because I, I keep saying with this movie, it feels like it belongs in the same movie of RoboCop. It just feels like RoboCop Extended, you know? Like, it just continues off what we got for the first one. And uh, I, I really appreciate that because I, a RoboCop 3 does something completely different. It just does not feel natural. It doesn't. It's, it's not great. RoboCop 2, I think, is a really good follow-up. And there's a lot of originality in that, too, while also kind of skipping some of the uh, the intro introductions that the first one did. You get to skip past that and get some more of the action. Um, I don't know. I love the RoboCop films now. I, I can't, I can't believe it took me so long to finally get on that train. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm definitely on it. I, like I punched my ticket and I don't want to get off. So RoboCop 2 is great. You can listen to that here on our Spotify or iTunes. However you listen to the, the inside the sequel. Uh, I definitely, if you haven't listened to it already, definitely recommend li- what, like listening to Matt talk about this movie with me because it was just such a fun time. I just really, really was not expecting it to to be almost of the same height of the first one. Now, the first one, I think, is definitely a better movie. But, I mean, 2 really tries to go for it, I feel like. And uh, at one point, there was a was parts of the movie where I was like, man, I wish the first one kind of did some of this that 2 did. You know? But, I mean, the first one is still going to be an untouchable sci-fi movie. You just get, like, you know, a treat in getting a sequel that's um, pretty entertaining. And, uh... Yeah, I would say RoboCop 2 is definitely in the middle of the pack for me right there at number three. Um, the fourth, or the number two, um, was one I was not expecting. Um, we could talk about the first one uh, that I originally was going to put down, but again, I didn't want to put another podcast episode movie that I've already done. So 
I opted at number two to put 1939's Son of Frankenstein. 20 years ago, in the barony of Frankenstein, a monster created by man stalked through the country, meaning and killing. In time, Frankenstein, maker of the monster, died. The monster disappeared. Now, after 20 years, the son of Frankenstein returns, and fear grips the village anew. A man tainted by the blood of his father can forget his human soul and carry on the diabolical work of the Frankensteins. As a man, I should destroy him. But as a scientist, I should do everything in my power to bring him back to conscious life. So I saw this movie uh, with Daniel, and we had like an all-day marathon. <laughs> like it was a... I can't even remember like when we we started at like what nine or ten I think I I can't remember we started this movie first in our all day marathon that we had been planning for like two weeks we had a stack we had like a fat stack of Blu-rays that we were that we had curated to watch for this whole day and uh, boy it was blast it was like legitimate it, it it was like the cinema gods would be proud of us we we the, the way we curated this was perfect and that we started off with son of frankenstein and honestly i'm of the opinion if you want to start off a movie marathon you gotta start black and white like you just have to regardless of the genre you gotta start black and white uh just something about the early morning the drinking that cup of coffee maybe eating breakfast and just watching a, a great black and white early film it just it just it, i don't know it just feels like a a classier saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe for me i don't know that's how i've always looked at it um, and I'd already seen, um, the original Frankenstein and then the first episode we ever did here, which I was very incredibly proud of the bride of Frankenstein. I did not expect to like son of Frankenstein as well. Um, it is an amazing film. Like, I don't know if people have talked about son of Frankenstein and I'm just late to the party. Cause when it comes to these universal monster movies, I am kind of new. I'm the new kid on the block again with these movies. Um, but I finally did watch all the Universal Monster movies this year. That was like my goal. And I did do a ranking on that on Twitter. Um, and you bet your ass that Invisible Man is number one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Son of Frankenstein was just, it, it kind of blew me away. Like I, I thought it, I, I always, was, I always thought with these Universal Monster movies that they were going to be, I don't know, kind of like sus at times in terms of like the the casting and like the stories. Cause it's like, I mean, how many of these Frankenstein and Dracula movies are you going to be able to make? And they're not going to, the, the quality is going to dip. Excuse me. The quality is going to dip. Well, the quality does not dip that much here in son of Frankenstein. Um, I just, man, son of Frankenstein, it, it takes place, um, years after, um, Dr. Frankenstein has passed and the, uh, his, now his son, has taking the estate, um, I believe his, um, uh, Baron, I believe. Um, and he, 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 he moves back to the village and he lives in the same, um, uh, he's living in the same castle as his father did in the first two movies. And everyone in this village hates the Baron because he's, you know, he's a Frankenstein. He, he, he ruined the village because the monster escaped and killed people and they never forgave Frank, Dr. Frankenstein for that. And he's also a scientist and he wants to, he kind of just wants to, um, 
um, uh, what is it? Restore the family name. And he, what he does is he discovers um, the the character of Igor, who is a crazy man who's like been tried to be hung plenty of times, but still survives. He's played by a terrific Bella Lugosi. I think this is a better performance from Bella than uh, his Frankenstein portrayal. I, and I know that is a crime to say, but I really do think Bella Lugosi's Igor is like, an amazing performance because Igor worked with Dr. Frankenstein and he helps uh, the Baron uh, von Frankenstein in like kind of doing the same thing Dr. Frankenstein did is resurrecting this monster. And the thing is the monster only responds to Igor. And I love that little piece of detail there because the Baron has already lost the battle. And as soon as um, the, the monster arises again, he's kind of, he's played again by Boris Karloff. He's basically the same kind of monster, but he, I love to see his, uh, his, uh, Shaggy and Scooby kind of relationship with, uh, Igor. Like I can just tell they're just having fun and like, you know, killing people and like causing mischief and, and Igor sneaking, um, Boris Karloff all around the castle and their kid, their poor kid who just is such a sweet kid, but also gets says such terrifying things because he sees the monster like, you know, like hiding and stalking him. It's, it's just really great. And then you get, um, uh, you, you, you get like the inspector who is missing an arm, I believe it is. Um, played by uh, Lionel Atwill. I, I just love this this yin and this yang. And uh, da Baron ends up becoming mad like his father and trying to hide this secret that he's cr- resurrected the monster. Like, throughout the whole movie, he's just um, hiding that he's created this thing. And I just think it's so entertaining. And uh, I just... I, yeah, this movie was just really, really, really great. And uh, I don't know. I love my I love the gif of uh, Bela Lugosi where he's in the, the cracked window looking down and just hutching and laughing. He's just... He's just having such a fun time with this role, and you just have such a, you have such an experience with this because, like, it's so gothic, and it's it, it and the score is great, and it's such a quick movie too. Um, even though it is a little longer, it's ninety nine minutes. To me, it flies pretty quickly. Um, I think that's one thing I love about like these Universal monster movies is they're pretty short, but this one you get at ninety nine minutes and. Uh, you don't feel it and you get a little bit more. So it's like, that's like the best of both. So I've actually really enjoyed these Frankenstein movies and I, I have the legacy collection. So I'll have to go ahead and try and finish that one out at some point. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend Son of Frankenstein if you haven't um, uh, checked it out. And the final movie, uh, I think is no surprise what kind of uh, genre film that this is. It's a it's a kaiju classic, uh, and this was my favorite. I could pick this whole this whole episode could just be on uh, Godzilla sequel movies because good God, like, I mean, is there? I don't know if there's a, a franchise that I love and cherish and adore more and respect than the Godzilla franchise. Uh, I own every Godzilla movie, and I'm just about done with all of them, but. Uh, I just love that Showa era of Godzilla movies. They're just nothing gets almost better than those. Um, they're the perfectly timed with the runtime. Uh, you get some really great actors in there that you, you just absolutely love, and uh, yeah, you you get some really fun action choreograph uh, choreographed action. Excuse me on there as well. But uh, the nev- the the one from I'll have to pick the most. Like I'm not. I, I guess you could say I could go with uh, Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus Megalon. Um, you could also, 
I mean, another close one I would probably say is like, heaven forbid, son of Godzilla, I might say. Um, but no, the one that takes it for me is Ibira, Horror of the Deep. Godzilla, Ibira, and Mothra in one of the most explosive action pictures ever to hit the screen. From the depths of the ocean comes the most terrifying horror of the deep. Within the mountain caves comes the dreaded monster Godzilla. See the most titanic battle ever screened when the monster of the deep challenges the mighty Godzilla. And I keep talking about this movie. It was made, came out in 1966. And it has Mothra and Godzilla, and which that alone is more than enough for you to enjoy a movie. When you have Mothra and Godzilla together, because I mean, one time, one first thing they're foes, and then second, um, just having uh, the character of Mothra there, you get two kaiju for the price of one. Honestly, and, and what I love about this movie, it has one of the one of the greats that we love in these Showa films, which is Akira Takarada, who is in most of the Showa era films. Um, and it's like a beach movie. It's a summer blockbuster movie, honestly, for me, because, um, the main character, the main, um, enemy, which is Ibira is a giant lobster. It's a, it's a, it's a giant lobster or, or he's a crab. I, I think he's a lobster. I, I can't remember actually which one he is, like what technically Ibira is, but he, he can regenerate his body and he's blowing up ships and got, they go to monster Island basically before it's called monster Island. And, uh, uh, the, the 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 human characters there are uh, end up stumbling upon uh, Godzilla in a cavern and he's sleeping um, because it's like this is right after um, he fought Ghidorah and um, like I don't know it's like it's about a brother trying to find his other brother who got lost in sea because of Ibira and um, he takes his friends with him um, after they went to like a dance contest and they go and look for his brother and then they come across the the island and they can't escape and. The natives there help um, help them and uh, Godzilla uh, from destroying the basically the evil. Um, <laughs> I feel silly in talking about it, but uh, the the evil soldiers that are on there. It's like a base there, and they're trying to kill Godzilla. Well, they wake him up to to help save him, and there's a volcanic eruption um, because there's a bomb that detonates on the island, and Mothra comes and helps them. And honestly, it sounds like a lot, but. Um, it's directed by one of my favorite directors in June Fukada. Um, he, he directed a lot of these movies, um, in the show era series. And honestly, um, I think he's, he, he does almost just as good as, uh, Honda. Honda, Honda did a lot of great work for the Godzilla movies, but it was, I, I think June Fukuda kind of took these movies and um, ran away with them and made them what they were. They were just really fun movies because of him. And he constantly came back because people loved them. So um, Ibira Horror of the Deep, I absolutely love. I know it was intentionally made to have Godzilla, fe- the King Kong feature in it, and I'm glad that they didn't. I think King Kong should stay out of Godzilla in these early movies because that just means American studios are going to be the ones that want to control it, and we don't want that. So um, Godzilla 
uh, Ibira Horror of the Deep, which I love when these Godzilla movies don't have like Godzilla in the name and make them versus. I feel like that's such a he say thing to do, which I think is uh, more fitting. I kind of like like these alternate titles. Like you get like Godzilla Raids Again. Um, you get Invasion of the Astro Monster, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoy like Terror of Mechagodzilla. You know, I, I don't know. I just like when there's not the versus name in there. Uh, but yeah, the, I would definitely say Godzilla just as a whole was my number one in terms of sequels, but personally, Ibira from 1966 is my number one. So, um, there you have it. There's your host's, uh, top five sequels that he watched. <laughs> just so you know, I am a man who loves his sequel movies. Um, but I'm curious to know, um, when I upload these, uh, these podcast episodes, I love to see the interactions and the comments and, um, uh, I, I'm very curious to see, like, were there, did you notice some, because 2020, Lord knows, it was just such a, such a wild um, year. Did you catch yourself watching things maybe in a normal year under different circumstances you maybe weren't watching? Because that's was, that was definitely the case for me. Um, so I'd love to see what other movies people had been watching um, in 2020. And I didn't watch a lot of new movies, I'll be honest, but uh, I watched a lot of older movies and caught up with new movies that I had missed from years prior. So I'm curious to see what everyone has been watching. And maybe um, if you saw any sequel movies that you think I should check out, definitely let me know down below. Um, If you ever want to be a part of this show, you can always follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Hurtastic underscore Chris, and you can follow uh, me on Twitter personally. You can follow the show also on Twitter. That's at Inside Sequel. Uh, again, that's at inside sequel and, uh, you can email, uh, the show at, um, at sequelpod at gmail.com. If you ever have recommendations, I'm always open to those. Uh, but if you also want to check me out on other platforms, we're on Instagram. We're also again on YouTube at Hurtastic Reviews. Uh, if you maybe stumble upon that YouTube channel because of this podcast, let me know down in the comments. I like to see where everyone's finding me these days. So, um, I really want to thank you all for making my second half of the year amazing with this podcast. And I'm so excited to kind of kick off this year now. Uh, Now we'll have a full calendar year to do this. And I'll I'll do my best to stay diligent on that. Um, We're a little late. We're already the fourth day into the into the year and we're uh yeah we we need to get back on there we it's like uh what is uh robert de niro say i I gotta get organized i guess so man i'm really quoting taxi driver on here um i I promise joker isn't my favorite movie uh but anyway i want to thank you all so much for tuning in uh my name's chris here at inside the sequel and remember if you're not loving sequel movies do you really care about cinema anyway we'll see you next time